happy 2021. I'm so excited. I'm one of those people who loves a new year, loves to make goals, resolutions, write out everything. Um, I don't necessarily feel like a new year is the only time when you can take that initiative to change your life and create all these new habits and goals. I feel like you can do that anytime in your life. Personally, I actually do that in the fall. I don't know why that is. Maybe because I have still been in school since high school pretty much for like seven years now. But I've always felt like after the summer, starting September, October is when I usually kind of like reevaluate where I'm at, my goals, what I want to accomplish, what I want to achieve within the next few months to finish off the year. And the new year is kind of where I reflect on the year as a whole and kind of go over my last year's goals and the things that I wanted to do and I kind of recreate and revision my next year up and coming and for me it's just about reflecting on the past and then what to look forward to in the future and giving myself an opportunity to be like okay yo a new year what do I want to do what do I want to accomplish and to achieve and what do I want this year to be about and what do I have to look forward to and it kind of tells me to reset my mind um but I wanted this episode to be not so much about myself and what I'm doing this year in terms of like my own goals and resolutions, but I want to talk about what some of the 2020 environmental wins have been. There was a lot of craziness that went on this year, a lot of challenges, a lot of lessons, and a lot of changes, honestly. That's the best way I can really summarize that as a whole. And climate change... I think kind of took a bit of a backseat in terms of everyone's energy and focus and attention. So I want to leave you guys with some positives. We had a crazy 2020 overall, but there are some really great things that happened and things to look forward to in the future. So the first thing that I wrote down, which honestly, this order isn't like scaled in any means, but the first thing that I'll just say is that... The USA's President Joe Biden has pledged to rejoin the Paris Agreement and to ramp up climate action, which is honestly huge. The Paris Agreement is a legally binding document, um, a treaty that was signed by 195 countries in 2015. Everyone met in Paris and countries decided that collectively we would make an effort to lower our greenhouse gas emissions in order to stop global warming below 2 degrees Celsius from pre-industrial levels with an overarching goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, And basically to give kind of like a reference to that between 2006 and 2015, human activity has warmed the world by 0.87 degrees Celsius. So just under one degree Celsius. Um, and this is compared again to the pre-industrial times, which are the years between 1850 and 1900. So if current rates continue, then scientists have predicted that the world would reach global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2040. And this is all human induced global warming. This is not just generally how the world atmosphere works. It's saying that human activity will warm the earth by 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2040. So again, that's in 20 years. So um, between the US and China, they're estimated to emit about 40% of the world's 
greenhouse gases. So it's pretty significant that Biden has decided to rejoin because we need the states to be on board here. We need the U.S. 100% to become more accountable and to become more aware of their actions and to make strides towards emitting less, switching to green technology, switching over to a lot more investments in the renewables. And the Paris Agreement is really cool because it's honestly the only um, legally binding treaty that focuses on climate change. So it's a very like modern treaty and it's really important that the nations have are joined to work together and that they can help achieve it because you know climate change doesn't just target or affect one nation it literally affects all of us some will feel it more than others but at the end of the day you know we share the atmosphere we share the oceans we share the land so it's really important that internationally governments are coming together and agreeing to and do their part to lower their emissions just to give some more detail to that um, Biden also has stated that he will make key climate and environmental regulations and policies which includes vehicle emission standards and controls on methane emissions from the oil and gas industry and the U.S. is really important to be involved with these limitations and starting to transition off of oil and gas and Biden has also committed to major investments in clean energy research and innovation, clean infrastructure including electrical vehicle charging stations and they ensure that 100% of new cars sold are electric. And my second one, just to kind of segue off that, um, is that, you know, electric vehicles are becoming a lot more popular. The sales of them are rising and the it's a lot of them have become more popular because of the technological improvements, uh, lower prices and the government subsidies that, that are being offered. And I think when electric vehicles first came out, one of the biggest concerns was, oh, well, how can I charge my car if I'm, let's say, driving up? to the Okanagan, I'm going for a road trip, is there going to be a charging station? And because governments are coming on board and people are now um, implementing charging stations and they're a lot more common and easy to get a hold of and to find, I think a lot of people are now open to the idea and yeah, pretty cool. And they definitely save you a ton. My grandma actually bought an electrical vehicle and she loves it. She said that the funniest thing is that it's so quiet. So. The guy when she bought it warned her like you're gonna have to really look around when you're pulling out um in a parking stall because people won't hear you and they they might not stop so she's always worried now she's gonna run somebody over but i don't think that is something that you really need to worry about and yeah so just to kind of give a little glimpse of that in 2010 there were only 17,000 electric cars in the world and in 2019 there was an estimated 7.2 million um, a few countries are, are also offering to ban the sale of new gasoline or diesel cars by 2030. That is the United Kingdom and California is offering to do that. The state of California is offering to do that by 2035. Um, and Norway has also set the world's most ambitious target by banning the sale of gasoline or diesel cars, all new, of course, by 2025. Um, you know, this is actually really cool. And Amazon committed to rolling out 100,000 electric delivery vehicles by 2030. And the U.S. Postal Service has also offered to integrate electrical vehicles into its next fleet of delivery trucks. So that's really cool too because I think that the postal industry it's, itself, that has boomed since COVID. So if they start to come on more electrical vehicles, then the transportation of that won't be increasing the CO2 as much. So that's really awesome. Another one that I have here is that in the United States, 
they passed the Great American Outdoors Act in July, and that is to protect America's national parks. And I thought it was really interesting that they haven't done anything like this um, in terms of investing money or creating any kind of new acts since 1950. So that's a long time, right? That's pretty much 70 years. Like a lot has changed. Um, Congress agreed to spend money on national parks. The act has also set aside funds for forest, refugees, and future land purchases. And the act has awarded public lands nearly $10 billion and lawmakers have committed for the first time ever to set up a continuous stream of money to buy and conserve land across the country. That is really cool. I have some more details written down here, which is that the act will, in over five years, pump $6.65 billion into addressing the $11.9 billion backlog of maintenance projects across more than 400 national parks, monuments, recreational areas, and historic sites. And they're also putting another $2.9 billion into repair projects on land managed by the U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and land management, as well as the Indian education. And the act will also dedicate money every year to spend from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. That fund was actually established in 1965 and was set up to encourage recreation and acquire more open space every year to add to the nation's public lands. Uh, that fund was also supplying grants to states that protect rare species and build or maintain swimming pools, picnic areas, and natural areas in virtually every country in the country. So this doesn't only just help wildlife, but it allows people to kind of get out and about and enjoy nature and have things to do and be able to enjoy it as well. Another thing too that the U.S. has kind of been investing in lately is renewable energy. So... Globally, renewables are becoming a lot more common. A lot of people are investing in it. Um, and the first half of 2020, electricity generation by wind and solar raised, was raised by 14% for the first time and accounted for nearly 10% of all electricity. And in the U.S., renewable energy output grew in 2020, increasing by about 5% from 2019. And the U.S. has installed a record number of wind and solar projects thanks in part of the tax credit. So another great win in 2020 was that there's been a lot more whale spotting. And this has been shown because that the oceans are a lot quieter because there's been less traffic, less cruise ships, less, I guess, like huge transport boats going around. Um, so there was a study done in Vancouver Island um, and between January and April, an offshore hydrophone station west of Vancouver Island recorded a 16% decrease in noise power. And it, although it's not fully known what effect that will have on the marine life, but this is kind of tied to back in 2012, a study showed that North Atlantic right whales appear less stressed when noise levels in the ocean are reduced. Um, and that was the case after 9-11 and a lot of ships were ordered into the ports and they were taking off the ocean. So ocean noise there was thought to affect how whales communicate, behave and, mi and migrate. And the results effect of acquired ocean may lead to a healthier marine mammal populations, which is probably why we're seeing more of them now. It was also said that in the waters just north of the Antarctica, scientists spotted more blue whales than they had seen from before commercial whaling ending in the early 20th century. Um, 55 were actually spotted this year after 50 years in which sightings in the same waters were scarce. And blue whales are the largest animals on earth, which I actually did not know that, so that's really cool. Um, and according to the International Whaling Commission, 
they were nearly hunted to extinction. Humpback whales have also made a dramatic recovery. Um, they're almost rebuilding their pre-hunting populations as well. And most countries are now abiding by the International Whaling Commission's ban on hunting whales. However, earlier in 2020, Japan, Norway, and Iceland were engaging in hunting whales. So just to summarize, the reduction in underwater noise pollution due to COVID-19 may be good for the new whales and other sea mammals as they, be, as they regain their strength and start to be, be more healthy and be hunted less. Another great win is that the ocean panel nations have committed to sustainably manage their waters by 2025. So almost a month ago now, late November, earlier December, 14 nations announced that they would sustainably manage 100% of their coastal waters by 2025, protecting an area of the ocean totaling roughly the size of Africa. Each country vowed to combat overfishing, invest in reducing pollution, and set aside 30% of its national waters as marine protected areas by 2030. I freaking love this. This is amazing. Um, the nations involved were Australia, Canada, Chile, Fiji, Ghana, Indonesia, Jamaica, Japan, Kenya, Mexico, Namibia, Norway, Palau, and Portugal. And they've all committed to sustainably manage 30 million square kilometers of their national waters by 2025. Now, they all combine approximately 40% of the world's coastlines. So that's pretty amazing. So it's almost half of the world's coastlines will now be protected. The result of the new ocean action agenda could help produce as much as six times more food from the ocean, generating 40 times more renewable energy, allow millions of people out of poverty and contribute one-fifth of the greenhouse gas emissions. The UK, although not a part of the agreement, has also announced earlier in November that globally the country is protecting 2.7 million square miles of ocean and its latest marine protection zone is 260,000 square miles of pristine waters around the remote British territory of Tristan da Cunha, a group of islands in the South Atlantic Ocean. Okay, my sixth win of 2020 is that we did get to see what a world looks like when we slow down, when the world catches a glimpse of a cleaner, greener world. And scientists have actually given this a name. They've called it Anthropause. So it's the global lapse in human activity since COVID-19 began in March and around the world. It really has forced us to just stay put. Everyone has been staying home not traveling um you know back in march when everything did come to a halt air travel dropped to 50 percent um of what it was in march 2019 and that definitely would have helped reduce a lot of the pollution in the atmosphere vehicle traffic in the u.s and many other countries fell as well and parts of india that are normally blanketed by air pollution was reported to being able to see the Himalayas for the first time. That's nuts. Um, the pandemic has also given scientists an opportunity to really study the ecosystems and how they are impacted by humans. And again, I just want to say that, you know, because oceans even were going quiet, this really did allow marine life to be really healthy and let the animals be calm and at ease and not have to deal with traffic. And Another win, this is my number seven, is that the federal carbon tax in Canada 
will gradually increase over the next decade. So there was a proposal that in 2023 onwards, the federal carbon tax would increase by $15 a ton per year to reach $170 by 2030. But this is really being done because Justin Trudeau has stated that we know we can no longer be it can no longer be free to pollute anywhere in the country. This carbon tax will really have people who are polluting at a high rate to stay accountable. And during the new conference, Trudeau also added that the revenues generated from the increase will be returned to Canadians in the form of rebates on a quarterly basis. So even though the price of gas may be going up, um, there will be benefits of it otherwise. And honestly, guys, I know there's a lot of controversy over the carbon tax. In a lot of my classes in school, we debate this and we always bring it up. It literally is getting to a point where I'm like, wait, I'm confused. What's the carbon tax again? Is it good? Is it bad? Because there's so much controversy over it. I still am in support of it. Yeah, it's a tax, but economics show that taxes are actually one of the best ways to change the supply and demand and to gain back revenue. And I just feel like the people who are emitting high amounts that would have to pay this this is hardly anything to them comparatively to how much that their revenue increases. And once you're emitting carbon dioxide, you cannot get that back. Like we still haven't really created anything that takes CO2 out of the atmosphere as effectively as we'd like to. So I think that this is a great way to either help just generate money to be putting back into green technology and to having more conservation and refugee money set aside as opposed to just letting the people continue to emit without any sort of responsibility or any kind of hesitation towards money. The Supreme Court will soon decide on this increase so we'll have to just wait and see what happens um, but for 2020 the carbon tax is set at $30 per ton and the carbon tax is currently scheduled to increase by $10 annually until it hits $50 per ton in 2023. So if this becomes into law, then this will increase the carbon tax by $15 per ton per year starting in 2023 until the tax hits $170 per ton in, by 2030. Hopefully that makes sense. So basically right now we're at a $10 increase annually until $50 in 2023. And then if this law gets passed, then in 2023, it'll continue to increase by $15. So increasing it by $5. Um, and then it'll reach a maximum of 170 per ton by the year 2030. And my last win of 2020 happened very recently. So on December 11th, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, he announced our Canadian Strengthened Climate Plan, which is called a healthy environment and a healthy economy. And it's aimed to achieve our economic and environmental goals in the future. So this plan has been supported by an initial $15 billion in investments in order to make life more affordable for Canadians, make communities more livable, and focus on creating jobs, growing the middle class, and supporting workers in a stronger and cleaner economy. So that's basically the summary of his plan. Um, but I do have some more points here just to go in a bit more of detail. Number one, this plan is aimed to make the places we live and gather more affordable by cutting energy waste. And this includes investments in retrofits, so helping with electricity and heating in buildings. 
Um, number two, to make clean, affordable transportation and power available in every community. They aim to do this by expanding the supply of clean electricity through investments and increased renewables and next generation clean energy and technology. Number three, continue to ensure pollution isn't free and households get more money back. So they help to do this by continuing to put a rising price on pollution through 2030, which is what I just talked about with the carbon tax. Um, number four is build Canada's clean industrial advantage by helping Canadian businesses reduce emissions and make low carbon products that the world wants to buy now and into the future. Number five, embrace the power of nature to support healthier families and more resilient communities. Um, so the federal government says that they will cut pollution, clean the air we breathe, create jobs, make our communities more resilient to extreme weather by planting two billion trees, supporting sustainable farming, and better managing, conserving, and restoring our nature. Honestly, that to me just sounds too good to be true. I'm like, wait, how though? Like, can you give more details of that? But that's the last point. Love that. I'm going to link all of the articles that I got this information from in the show notes. And yeah, I hope you guys had a good 2020 overall. Did some reflecting, wrote down some things that you learned, some good lessons. I learned a lot of lessons. I felt like I went through waves of environmental concern and anxiety, honestly. Like climate change anxiety exists for real. But I felt like I really wanted to end the year with a positive and I felt like giving you guys these environmental 2020 wins was the best way to do it. So that's it. I'm going to keep this sweet and short. I love you guys. I hope you're doing well. Happy New Year. All the best. I feel like this year is going to be a great one. I'm wishing you all a very happy New Year. And if you can please remember to subscribe, share this with a friend, write a review, and let me know what you think message me. It is so appreciative and I would love to hear what you say. Instagram, you can find me at veggies before noon and you can also email me which is emily at veggiesbeforenoon.com. Bye!